0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. morning. Well, we're continuing our work in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, We're going to look at chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. That's page 836 inner pew bibles uh, and again I would uh, thank you uh, for your prayers for our family this week it's hard to say goodbye to old friends furry old friends um, but uh, we're already noticing a great deal less white hair all over us all the time um, we have the black dog that shed the most white hair of any Black dog in the history of creation, um, but uh, so no, no. I let's close in prayer. This uh, conversation over. Um, we still have a dog. It just uh, very small, and that's the way we like it. Uh, anyway, well, uh, so Mark, the book of Mark here. I don't know how many of you grew up. Uh, going to church and Sunday school as kids like I did. Um, we went uh, to a church called a Gospel Center in Bethel, Maine, growing up. My folks still go there. Um, every Sunday, my mom and dad would bring us to Sunday school um, before the church service. What's going on, buddy? Uh, and we got to learn about Jesus and his disciples through the wondrous medium of flannel graph. We're gonna get a solo. I'm trying not to disrupt the service. Hey. I did it. <laughs> That's uh he's better than me at that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs> so anyway, my mom and dad would bring us to Sunday school and we would learn about Jesus and his disciples through flannel graph. Anyone here familiar with flannel graph? Ever heard of that before, right? It's a big board. <laughs> big board. I want like I I I miss flannel graph. It's a big board covered with felt or flannel, I guess, and little paper cutouts of people and objects and the teachers would stick the um st- stick the paper people and things to the board and um and uh and tell the story of Jesus that week. Um and I miss I missed that. I miss final graph. We actually had a huge final graph thing here when we first got to the church and like a... F- no it's it's gone. Uh, yeah, like a fool. I threw it out. Um <clears throat> I don't know who the person was it out. I do. I, I do know who it was. Um yeah. I'm going to have a meeting with him after service. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh, you get this big board light blue on the top and green on the bottom or sky and the grass which uh, if you ever see pictures of the holy land it's not a lot of grass so i don't know who got that idea but uh, the only teaching i remember from uh, about our scripture here that we're looking at this morning is from sunday school class i don't remember a lot of sermons on it i'm not sure i did hear sermons but you know how it is flannel graph sticks and sermons sometimes don't, or every week, or whatever. Um, yeah, but I do remember the song about a scripture for this morning: uh, "I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men, if you follow me, if you follow me." If you follow me, they really pushed us. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. you know that song you're singing along wonderful. well, without the benefit of flannel graph, we're going to look at uh, uh, mark 1, 16 through twenty uh, We'll have to make do with our own imaginations um, um, we'll we'll do what we can, so mark chapter one. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this account of Scripture. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the message you have for us today. It's not an accident this account is included and that we're here to look at it this morning together. We pray, Lord, that we would know you better as a result of our time together in your word. Move among us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago about how we tend to do two things when we look at Scripture. Especially when it comes to uh, historical accounts like this one we try to do two things first we tried to make it like a fable which is uh, a story with a moral uh, this was included so that we learn the moral of the story and um, and then go on like uh, like the story of three little pigs right um, the moral of the story of the three little pigs is never hire a pig as a carpenter um, Or, two out of three pigs are idiots. That's the moral of the story. (laughs) So we try to make this uh, scripture, the accounts of scripture, the same type of thing. What's the lesson I'm supposed to learn? What's the little takeaway? And second of all, we make try to make a fable, and the second thing we try to do is we insert ourselves in the story. What character am I in this story? Because we've talked about it already, let's face it, we all think we're the hero of the story of our lives, that we are the central figure. So with those assumptions in mind, when we look at this account, what do we do? We put ourselves in a boat with the disciples, right? When we think about Jesus calling disciples away from their old life, oh, that's me, I'm one of those guys. And, to, and the moral of the story is to truly follow Jesus, you have to leave your old life like the disciples and left the nets and they left the boats and they left the fish and they left poor old Zebedee sit in a boat all by himself. Well, there's a flannel graph, flannel graph version of the story. Let's close in prayer. Jesus comes out of nowhere, calls these guys out of the boats to follow him, in order to make them fishers of men, and, and if we leave everything behind like they did, well he'll do the same for us. Cute. Accurate? Uh I don't think so. I think maybe it'd be better to put some flesh on the flannel graph. So first of all, Peter or Simon here in the account. That's haunting my eyes. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they're in the boats, and Jesus pops up out of nowhere, right? Never seen him or heard of him before, and he says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, all right. (laughs) Is that true? No, it's not. He was not a stranger to them. And we don't, just not because, well, he must have been popular. I mean, everybody was coming out everywhere to see him. That's, that's not the truth either. They already knew that Jesus was Messiah. He was not unknown to them. He was not a stranger that popped out of the bushes and said, Leave those nets and come with me. They knew who he was. So let's look at John, the Gospel of John, verse chapter 1, verse 29. This event here in John 1 29 takes place in the year between Jesus' baptism and John the Baptist's arrest. Right? We talked about last week. Mark skipped over this entire year. Um, Mark left it out in his in his gospel. So John 1 29. This is speaking of John the Baptist. Said the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, that's four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, means rock. So, if we just read Mark, we don't get all of that. So instead of making uh, the disciples the heroes because of their great faith, they immediately left their livelihood to follow some stranger that popped out of the bushes. We can see here they had already trusted in Jesus as Messiah. They already knew who he was. They had already put their trust and faith in him. They already recognized that he was the son of God. And it's because they trusted him already that when... Uh, uh, It's because they trusted him already that they responded to his call to leave the nets and leave the boats. He was not a stranger. He was a celebrity. They already knew who he was. That doesn't take away from their faith of leaving their nets and boats and dad behind. It's just to fill in more of the blanks. Because they already trusted that Jesus is the Son of God, They trusted him for salvation. They they trusted him to be included in God's kingdom. Because they trusted in him as Messiah, as God's anointed one, they trusted trusted him for leadership and for direction and for lordship of their lives already. With that kind of trust in Jesus already, how could they not get up out of the boats? They say, "Here here is the one God sent, and he's calling to us this is not a, an act of great faith for them. It's, a, it's a humbling that he would call even them out of the boats. So, because we like to insert ourselves into the story, am I the only one that ever does that? You say, oh, yeah, I'm the guy in the boat, and Jesus called me, and look at what I did. Yeah. Because we like to insert ourselves in a story, we certainly want to identify with the disciples. Uh, here, those with great faith that makes them heroes to so leave everything behind. And and while it is true that they did need to decide to step out of the boats, it's the promise of who Jesus is and the promise of what He would do that motivated them to make that choice. Jesus said in in verse seventeen. Of mark 1 follow me and I will make you fishers of men I think there's some pretty important words in there what are they follow me fishers of men I got you again I will Jesus took responsibility to make these men fishers of men it's not their great faith. It's their great Savior. He took the responsibility for their development and for their work. What did they need to do? They needed to yield. They needed to follow. When the Jesus used the word to follow me, it's not just a word that means I'm going to go over here and you just stay behind me like a duck and ducklings. Just follow me physically. Physically. It's a it's a richer word than that. It's to yield the leadership to someone else. Right? This is a um, this is a, a word that a student would use for a rabbi, that I submit myself to your teaching, right? And we kinda understand that about Jesus. Not just I'm going to the store and you don't know how to get there, so follow me and I'll lead you there. Right? It's more than that. Jesus took responsibility for developing them and for bringing them where they needed to go and they're not heroes for leaving their nets Jesus is the hero for making them more than they were Jesus is the hero for translating their occupation from mundane to world changing what we think is that they were fishermen Jesus came along and then they're not fishermen anymore now they are disciples They're apostles, and we make statues of them and stick them on buildings. And some people, unfortunately, pray to them, uh, but they're dead, so they're not listening. we, We make them into more than they are when Jesus is the true hero. He doesn't take away their occupation, and I think that's wonderful. I love that. What I think is awesome about the idea is that Jesus took what they were already doing... What they were already built for, and they just, and he gave it a new meaning. And he gave it a different context. Right? Did you notice that all four of the disciples were not doing the same thing when Jesus called them? Two of them are doing one thing, and two of them are doing something else. What are Peter and Andrew doing? They're fishing. They were actually fishing. And they're casting nets for the fish. That's what the picture uh is up behind the words these are big round nets maybe 10 15 feet across and uh, with weights around the outside and they throw them and they spread out in the water and then sink and then they haul haul them back in and catch the fish that are swimming above the net right these kind of nets are still used all over the world this picture was actually not taken in the first century galilee um i don't i don't believe um They're still using these nets. Um, The Internet is powerful, but I don't think it goes back that far. Um, So instead of casting nets for fish, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. You'll be casting nets for men, for mankind, men and women, the same word. He put them to work casting nets for souls, not for fish. So when you think about casting nets for souls, what does that, what does that look like, to me, maybe this um, my bias, this is the work of preaching the gospel, this is a word of pro- the the word for proclaiming, the good news about a Jesus. And if you look at the stories of Peter and Andrew, from this point forward, you know Peter has five sermons recorded in Scripture. They're not all with a pulpit and, uh, or anything, but it's the five times that Jesus communicates the gospel, um, and they're all recorded in the book of Acts. Um, I think around about 500 years ago, I preached all five of those sermons here. Um, this feel like 500 years ago, in the way. You don't remember, so it's long enough. All five sermons, Pete, Peter preaches the gospel. All five times his words are recorded in Scripture uh, in, a, in that form in the book of Acts. He's casting nets for souls. He's communicating the truth, the wonderful truth, of the good news of Jesus. And by God's grace, able to haul in a net full of souls. But what about Andrew? He's not here this morning. But the good news is, a Fall Ball is officially over. We'll have him back uh, next week because they lost badly. Oh, different Andrew. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Andrew does not have any of his preaching recorded. Um, no, um, no sermons for Andrew in in that way. But every time we see. Andrew, in scripture, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. Andrew is the, uh, the one who brought the little boy and the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. When they say, oh, well, we don't, how, what are we gonna, how are we gonna feed all these people, Jesus? We're gonna send them away. Jesus said, no, you feed them. And Andrew is the one that says, all we have is this kid and his, and his tuna fish. And Rich Cracker's over here. And he brings him to Jesus, and Jesus performs a wonderful miracle. He brought Simon Peter to Jesus, right? Andrew met Jesus before Peter. Well, you Peter thinks he's so smart, right? Andrew got it there first. But he's the one that brought Simon Peter to, to Jesus, uh, who became a chief of the apostles. All right? Uh, what else? He brought a bunch of Greeks that were looking for Jesus later in in Jerusalem, later on in the Gospel of Mark. There's people looking for Jesus and Andrew was the one that brought them in. The point is that not every sermon has three points. Sometimes the best uh, sermons that we preach, the sermons we preach the loudest, are the sermons we preach with our lives and in our actions and reactions. And we fish For souls, with the words sometimes, and we bring people to Jesus mostly with our actions, and our attitudes. So there's Peter and Andrew casting their nets, but what are James and John doing? They're mending. They're not fishing. They're in a boat, but they're not fishing. James and John are in a boat mending their nets. They weren't fishing, but they were preparing to fish. Now, this is interesting. The word that's translated mending, for mending their nets, is used elsewhere in the New Testament, and you won't believe it, but it has nothing to do with fishing. It doesn't have anything to do with nets. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. It comes from the root word katartizo. Memorize that, tell your friends. The word means to make someone fully adequate fully equipped or fully trained. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, his nets are mended, same word, he will be like his teacher. James and John here uh, are embodying the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry like Paul wrote about in Ephesians 4. While preaching is casting nets for souls, teaching is preparing souls for work of ministry, preparing the souls that have been caught in the net, preparing them to engage in the ministry that the Father built them to do and getting them ready to serve. That's what the word mending means, preparing. Jesus called these four men... To leave everything, to follow Him, and they did that. And the world was changed as a result. And though the disciples were not the heroes of the story, and we are not the heroes of the story, and the story has no cute moral or anything like that, we can certainly learn from their example. Because Peter and Andrew and James and John trusted Jesus as Messiah, When He called them, they left. And He did indeed make them fishers of men. And Jesus may not be calling all of us to leave our nets, but He certainly is calling us to follow Him. Even if it means, uh, even if it does mean leaving everything you know behind, and He certainly does do that but he's calling us to follow him even if it doesn't mean leaving everything that we know behind the german theologian friedrich Liskow wrote that forsaking all must be experienced inwardly by every believer we all need to experience that leaving inwardly that we don't become attached to the things of this world and this life that we do uh, we are willing to give up for Following the Lord Jesus, but I think it's interesting and important to know that Jesus is calling us even now to follow him even if it doesn't mean leaving everything behind, but take heart, Jesus promised in matthew nineteen twenty nine Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Even if you don't have to leave home. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Hmm. Father, somehow these words still seem sour in my mouth. As if there's still more leaving to be done, more following to be done. I don't know exactly what that means for me or for for us here as a family, Lord, but we do want to follow you. I pray, Lord, that you would embolden us all to cast nets for souls. And if you so choose to help us, help others prepare for works of ministry, and maybe that's the ministry that you've given to us, to mend the nets of disciples. Lord, we know that you have called us as a family to make and mature disciples together, disciples of Jesus. I pray, Lord, we all would be willing to experience that inward leaving, the inward letting go. But I thank you, Lord, that you do not erase all that we know and all that we are and who we are as people in order to follow you, but you put our, uh, our way to work. The design that you have for us is not by accident. You built us a certain way for certain things, and we're grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you would teach us what does it mean to leave our nets and our boats to follow you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we trust your Holy Spirit to continue to teach us about this idea. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.